This is James Woodcock's podcast, episode 32, recorded 26th of February 2012, Scum VM. Hello, my name is James Woodcock from jameswoodcock.co.uk and today I have with me three developers from the point-and-click adventure software ScumVM. Introducing Eugene Sandalenko, also known as Sev. Hello. Arnard Boutonnet, also known as Strangerk from ScumVM. Hi. And finally, Johannes Schickel, also known as Lord Hoto. Hello. So before we begin, please tell us a little bit about yourself, beginning with this time we'll say Eugene. Well, I'm 35 years old uh, from Ukraine. It is an ex-USSR country, if somebody doesn't know. And uh, I happen to be a co-leader of the project for a few last months. But I've been generally in the project since year 2003 and touched practically every aspect of it. And Arnold? Yes, I'm uh, 38 years old. I'm uh, French uh, from Belgium and uh, I joined the, the project three years ago. I am now a peer officer and a uh, co-administrator too. Um, in the real life, I'm an IT manager in an insurance company. And uh, well, I'm coding also a lot for, uh, for the engineers uh, themselves. And Johannes. Well, I'm 22 and from Germany. I'm in the project since 2005. Initially, I worked on the Kyrandia engine and nowadays I'm more or less working on the general code base of ScumVM. And so I happen to be in the core team nowadays. So we've got quite a wide range of country involvement though. Is it the same for the other developers of ScumVM? Yes, uh, we are scattered around the world. But mainly, we are concentrated in Europe, I would say. Uh, however, uh, we had uh, guys from Korea, from Brazil, uh, then there are a few from United States, and uh, there is a big pack of us in Australia too. So what exactly is ScumVM? ScumVM is a set of engines, of game engines, and those are uh, 2D, two-dimensional uh, point-and-click adventures. And why we am? Because majority of the engines we use, they uh, have some kind of virtual machine inside of it with bytecode running the game scripts, and that's it. And uh, another really little thing about ScumVM that it is really, really highly portable, and currently it runs on over 30 platforms from computers to handhelds uh, to game consoles and of course modern smartphones. So pointed click adventure gaming has been around for absolutely years and seen a bit of a resurgence recently. So why pointed click adventure games? What is it about this genre in particular that makes it so special and makes you as developers spend so much time in bringing them onto computers and consoles and portable devices so we can enjoy them all over again. Well, I, I think uh, adventure games are more or less timeless. We convey good stories, so even if a game is 20 years old, it's still worth playing. So I think it's uh, natural that people 
try to bring it to modern devices and I recently tried ScumVM on my iPhone and, and it is quite fun on the run to say, say. And do you have to jailbreak your iPhone to be able to do that though? Yes, that's unfortunately true. Well, but let me add it, yes and no, because ScumVM is also being uh, represented on uh, apps in App Store by the company iFaceSoft from Israel and it runs several of the titles such as Simon the Sorcerer, Inherit the Earth, uh, Flight of the Amazon Queen and those are ScumVM based. So and that's all because ScumVM is open source software isn't it? It allows that to happen. We'll come on to that a little later. So who was originally involved with ScumVM? How did it all begin back in the day? It started in year 2001 uh, when two guys uh, have they had separate effort of running different uh, scum, which is LucasArts from the LucasArts company uh, games, particularly Monkey Island 2. It was uh, Yazar, uh, his nickname, and also it was Lude, which is Ludwig Strigels. You know him probably because of MuTorrent, pretty famous. So the guys started. They wanted to play the Monkey Island on uh, on their computers, uh, which were Linux, not Windows even. And being uh, talented programmers, they started to look into the executable code in order to understand how the game works and to start re-implementation of it. Pretty soon they met each other online, they joined effort, they effort and this is how ScumVM was born. And in a nutshell, ScumVM allows us to play games like Monkey Island, Summer Max Hit the Road, Day of the Tentacle, Simon the Sorcerer, Discworld and absolutely a ton more games. Allows them to run on modern Windows operating systems where maybe originally they were meant for DOS. And plus Mac and Linux, it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Yeah, it uh, really works on many platforms because ScumVM tries to be portable and it's written in a way that you can port it easily onto new devices without touching any engine-specific code. So for you, which are some of the uh, special games that are currently supported by ScumVM? What are the highlights? My personal highlight is uh, Monkey Island 2, the first supported game. <laughs> For me, despite the names ScumVM, uh, the adventures I loved in the past were Goblins games from Cocktail Vision and also Sierra Space Quest. And I was really, uh, I, I really I liked a lot when Free CI Engine joined us and we started to support Sierra Adventures too. And my side, I really liked uh, Bargain Attack and Fascination from uh, Cocktail. And of course, uh, several uh, LucasArts and uh, Sierra games. So do you think when ScumVM first came about, it was going to be exclusive just for the LucasArts type games? Or do you think there was that intention to expand into other game engines like Simon the Sorcerer and so on? It is common misunderstanding, and probably because of the project name. Uh, but uh, support for Simon the Sorcerer games was added as soon as 0.0.2, which is second or third version 
which was publicly released and it started to support beyond scum engine for monkey island uh, indiana jones this it started it had it simon or later uh, renamed to agos engine uh, which supports uh, simon the sorcerer and later uh, it, it, it was added for feeble uh, added support for feeble files and some uh, non-adventure games. So we've already mentioned about the storytelling with point-and-click adventures, but how have they managed to last so long? And particularly now, we've got the age of the touchscreen devices, which seems to be a great new home for point-and-click adventures. We're seeing this fantastic uh, time where we're seeing remastered versions of these classic games appearing on the platforms with new music and maybe new voiceovers. How are they so timeless? It can't be just the story. Surely there's more to it than that. Well, I would say it is just the story. As Ron Gilbert said, true games are, and the only games, are adventures. Because it is like a book, or your favorite book. You may, you know it, but you may reread it ten times. Uh, in your life and you never get tired of it. Similarly with the adventures, it is not those first-person shooters or uh, platform games. Once you finish it, you're done. Here you can replay and enjoy the story. And some of the games have uh, random uh, stories, like uh, like the, some humongous games of... Um, uh, how are they called? Um, Arcades. Yes, for kids. Those games are, uh, have random stories, so the replay value is, uh, is really high. And even in games like Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, there's three paths in the middle of a game, so you can play it three times and it's different each time. So it surely gives some replay value in that aspect too. And let me add uh, the game I Have the Mount in my, in, I Must Scream, which is based on Harlan Ellison book. Uh, and it has five stories in, in a single game, actually. So would you say all of your lives are totally entwined with point-and-click adventure games? Do you ever dabble into other genres at all? Well, I personally prefer also RPG games and RTS games when I play non-adventure games. Yes. For me, Japanese RPG, especially Final Fantasy series, and some good arcades like Tetris. <laughs> ah. I, I must admit I have a little problem to answer this question because uh, I no longer play in fact. So uh, I only play games to, to debug them. <laughs> so it's all about the code? Yes, really. So do you ever get any time to enjoy the fruits of your labor? <laughs> well, I, I usually used to play the games I work on while I work on them and later on for final testing. So I think I spend really much time playing the games I'm trying to support in ScumVM. As for me, uh, ScumVM currently supports more than 300 uh, games, depending on if you count uh, fan-made games too. But out of those, I personally finished like less than a dozen. I prefer to hack on the games, not play them. Have you ever used a walkthrough, though? I mean, if you don't, it will take a long time, particularly if you're playing something like Discworld, which is notoriously difficult, <laughs> as great as it is. Actually, I did. <laughs> I cheated. Oh. <laughs> Some games. 
uh, particularly those who which games which I didn't really like to play on, but to like a lot to play with their uh, internals with their code. So with so many people involved with ScumVM, how do you successfully come to a conclusion when a disagreement about the way forward occurs? Well, uh, who's the boss? Yes, <laughs> Who wears the trousers? <laughs> Definitely there was a arrangement in the team since uh, the co-leader stepped off, which, is, which was Max Horn, also known as Findolfin, who uh, co-lead the project for like eight or nine years and uh, in order to manage the team I introduced the core team and Lot Hota is uh, one of the members of it and another one being William Jan Palestine and myself and so as you see there are three of us and we are uh, have technical merit I would say uh, and being three uh, there is always an even number in the, and we cannot tie on decisions but so far there were there were no real uh, no real situations when we had to force somebody what we tried to to achieve is the mutual agreement and if if somebody sees the flaws in the logic or in the code the best way to resolve the situation is to show different approach again in a code because uh, the, our project is all about managing the huge code base we recently uh, reached more 1.3 million lines of code which is quite a lot and we have 65 uh, developers active developers and more than 100 in during the the whole project history and project is subdivided in many lit, more, little teams, which I call personally call engine teams. Uh, they ha they are pretty independent, and they work on a single engine. And since we have uh, all the areas pretty separated, we rarely step on the toes of each other. And of course, there is a core team uh, who works on the. Uh, major technical things for the overall project guidance and I think uh, Johannes can add some on it. Uh, yeah, it's mostly technical aspects what we do but uh, we try to keep as an escort team I personally think important uh, thing is to keep the porters of, for, to the different platforms and the engine developers on some common base since that's usually where things might be misunderstood on the first sense since it's really not that easy to support so many platforms when you don't know much details about the platform. And here usually there's no real sharing between the developers on the backends and on the front ends, the engines. So I'm glad that we have a core team here where we can get the discussion flow through. And then of course we have uh, some uh, some rules for the project that we are supposed to, to follow and uh, as we are in a democracy we are uh, we are always allowed to, to voice up and uh, to to say that we are not uh, we do not agree with, with some some specific rule on the developer list 
and uh, we may discuss this this point uh, all together. Yeah, that's uh, that's very good point. Uh, it's not like Eugene or the core team decides it alone alone, but we try we, we really try to get an opinion from everyone here and then make our decision. Hopefully with everyone and only if there's some disagreement which so far didn't take place, I think we will make a core team vote. Absolutely. We have public uh, channels like internet relay chat and also our developer mailing mailing list. Uh, we don't use forums, those are for uh, our, our users support mainly. And uh, usually when somebody comes with an idea, ah, and yes, recently, since we are using GitHub now, it has an excellent, provides excellent tools for collaboration, particularly for discussion of some features. So if somebody uh, provides some controversial or questionable feature, uh, we can have a discussion or if there is, it is, the feature is not cooked well, we provide the feedback which uh, allows uh, another developer to, um, to fine-tune his code to, to make it up to our standards, which we have really well developed. And so far, I would say the main reason for this, because uh, I work in IT for over 20 years, and I can tell that ScumVM team is the best team I ever worked with during all this course and it has the best talented people, best talented developers and since we are working in a so bright mind surrounding, uh, as it was already mentioned, uh, what we have is a meritocracy. Who, who does the work that one has the voice? So in case uh, some uh, guy like comes from outside with some crazy idea like we regularly have even even a Ryan joke to rewrite ScumVM in Java or COBOL or whatever this these guys have to prove themselves and similarly we have quite quite high threshold for entering the project so external uh, developers they have to prove themselves that they fit our team and can work independently and their code has to be really high standard. Uh, ScumVM code is one of the best code I was working with. So it, it all this uh, comes together into a solid self-regulated base and I would say that ScumVM team contain, consists of several Scrum teams in, uh, in, in a sense of uh, project management, yes, and scrum teams, they are usually uh, self-governed. This is what we have within the project. And this is, it sounds quite an achievement. So this can't have happened overnight. How did this develop into what it is now and which is so aspirational for so many developers, obviously, are very happy to spend a lot of their free time coding for ScumVM. Well, I joined the project uh, pretty late, so when I joined it was more or less like it's nowadays, just the, the core team aspect and the PR office, which Arno belongs to, were recently introduced, but I think um, in an open source project it's pretty standard that there's uh, people 
join some implicit groups and push ideas forward. So we have, for example, we're people working nowadays on touchscreen devices and they propose some ideas out of themselves and was form a group which can make good decisions on that. So I think uh, it's uh, more or less our, it's, it's really out of the groundwork which is common in open source which formed our current system. And I think um, Scumworm is very attractive for developers because we are well known and so people who work on an engine have a good chance that their engine gets public feedback and thus it improves their motivation to work on it and also it helps them finding other people uh, wanting to work on, on their engines more easily. Well, you must be doing something right, that's for sure, because you only have to look on the internet and there are literally thousands and upon thousands <coughs> of projects that just stop. With, yeah. So how, how do you keep it going? I mean, obviously you've got 65 active developers currently all beavering away at the coding, but <coughs> there's a lot of projects out there that fail and sometimes very early on and very late on. So what, what is the magic? What is the secret behind it all? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, really. Honestly, I mean, yeah, it's because uh, what uh, tracks developers technical merit, and ScumVM has lots of it. And also, even due, uh, due to the amount of developer, it is not easy uh, to uh, for the project to die in one night. It, as, as I mentioned, we had more than 100 developers. That means that about 40 of them they left the team during these 10 years of uh, project history which is really really low attrition rate I would say uh, but uh, what is going on the team actually uh, grows in time and why so because of the dedication and uh, also we have a tremendous support from our user base we have over 10 millions of downloads uh, which is uh, not so often met in the open source world. So I wouldn't say that ScumVM is one of the thousands of uh, open source projects. It is one of the few, the biggest ones. And uh, due to complexity of the code and uh, the excellent basement which was put by original uh, authors, which is, as I already mentioned, Ludwig Strigaos and Vincent Hamm, which is Yazer, yeah? Uh, what they did, they, it is an, this excellent foundation let the project go well without heavy refactoring, without heavy restructuring of the code base. Uh, we are able to do it gradually. And as such, we do not see the end of the tunnel. And also, there are hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands, of adventure games. And there are specific guys who like this one or that one. And when they come to ScumVM, they come to a prepared infrastructure, which lets them to be concentrated just on the thing they love. The game, they, they play it in their childhood or whatever. And this love or this um, love for, for the past, yes, uh, it, it, it uh, really drives the people. Take a look at MAME. Uh, which is multi-arcade uh, machine emulator, yeah? Uh, it has even bigger team. 
an even bigger code base and it goes and goes despite the fact that even the prominent people like Aaron Giles leave the team, it still continues. So ScumVM is, I once called it, my aim of adventure games. Uh, we so successful that during our history we had several project merges. Several projects uh, joined us, the teams were integrated together and we continued developing things. One of them is being SCI, which we will, I hope we will talk about later. So how do you define what exactly a point-and-click adventure is, as I'm sure there are many games that the community and indeed developers of ScumVM would like to see supported within the software, yet don't quite meet the criteria? Uh, so point-and-click adventure, it started to be like, as you all know, uh, with Maniac Mansion and uh, with King's Quest, those games which are telling the stories uh, there is a, uh, they are contrasted to non-adventures like puzzle games which have no story in them and uh, on one end, another end which developed later is uh, first-person shooters when you just kill whatever everything which moves then there are arcades, uh, jump out everything which moves and then there are strategies and uh, role-playing games Sometimes, unfortunately, these uh, genres, they melt together. So it was not, it, sometimes it is not really easy to understand or to tell whether it is an adventure or not. And in those questionable cases, well, we, use, we decided in case, in, in case in individual games, and as long as there is a supporters, uh, developers, of the engine, uh, and the engine is uh, take, talking about adventures in the in the classic understanding of it, because sometimes some somebody even calls uh, Quake games as adventure. Yeah? We we add support for it. This this how it works, because um, we have many users which come to us and request this adventure or that one. Uh, it is easy to request, but not easy to work on sometimes. <coughs> Uh, it requires a year or couple of even couple of years for a game to to start to be completable, and it, it requires lots of dedication. So it is much much uh, wiser to talk to us before starting the work because your engine may may get not accepted eventually. Yeah, I want to point out that, uh, like Seth said. Um we really don't have a canonical definition of what a point-and-click adventure is. We have uh, classical examples like Sierra and Lucas Film Games adventures, and um, that's basically basically it, in my opinion. And uh, when for if someone comes and asks, is this adventure with which Scum VM could support one day? It's done on a per case decision when there's somebody who is really interested in working on it. Uh, for me, a point-and-click adventure is strongly story-driven and not so much focused about on the puzzles. For example, um, The Seventh Guest, I'm not sure if I would call it a point-and-click adventure because from my understanding of it and from what few have played of it, it's 
it's more focused at the puzzles. Yet it is supported, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, I see no problem in it. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, on the other hand, we support nowadays some role-playing games, and in the case of Scum, we have these uh, football games for kids and um, soccer games for kids because we work with the engine anyway, so we can support some non-point and click adventures without much extra work. And so, why shouldn't we add it? It's very complicated, isn't it, really? There's no simple answer to it. No, I don't, I don't think so, personally. <laughs> and of course, there's a kind of branch off as well from ScumVM, isn't there, called Residual VM? Technically, I wouldn't call it branch off, but it's more like a sister project. So we share some code and we also share some developers. And Residual VM is more focused on 3D adventures like Grim Fandango or Escape from Monkey Island. Grim Fandango is actually the game which it initially aimed at support for, and I think it's pretty far advanced nowadays, if not even finished. And Scumvium is uh, more is solely about 2D games. So was there ever a time then where Residual was almost part of Scumvium, where Grim Fandango, the hope was it would be incorporated with Scumvium, but then the decision was to maybe separate the two? Is that how it happened? Well, uh, Scum VM, uh, Residual VM, uh, it, it got renamed recently. It was Residual. Uh, why? Uh, why it was a sister project? Because of the escape of Monkey Island, which is uh, sometimes called Monkey Island 5, which is the same LucasArts game, uh, but based on a slightly different engine, and they introduced the uh, third dimension to everything, mainly to, to actors, and also Grim Fandango. It used to be in a, uh, on the same uh, hosting as we have, but it was all separate. And it, of course, as it, as it was mentioned, it borrows lots of code, particularly our compatibility layer, which is called O-System. Uh, but other than that, uh, it supports only 3D games. Recently, it was a uh, support for Myst 3, and also, as I know, there is a uh, support for Little Big Adventure in the works. So, Residual VM is same scum VM, and for, uh, but for three-dimensional adventures. And why it's separated? Well, it, there were some personal issues, there were some controversial, so uh, the leader of the project, Pavel, Kowalczewski, he decided to to go uh, by himself, and now the team of of Residio grows. It was in kind of uh, limbo for uh, for for five years or so, but now they are really going faster and faster in their development. So ScumVM, as we've already discussed, is available on a number of platforms. So how do you accommodate for the various interfaces available? There's mouse and keyboard, touchscreens more recently, and the good old-fashioned controller. So how do you make it all work? Well, as Eugenio said already, we have this compatib compatibility layer, sorry, <laughs> which is called O-System, and it's basically um, where the front end the engines work with and the back end 
so the actual processing with the hardware events etc is on this side and that's solely done by the ports so basically for an engine it's no different if we have a touch screen or a controller or a mouse and a keyboard it basically basically there's an abstraction layer so for the engine it looks totally the same and was that a difficult thing to add uh, quite frankly we had it for a really long time with compatibility layer and it was introduced really early i think initially for the windows ce port uh, or for the palm os port i'm not sure right now it's uh, it was already there before i joined in 2005 which really shows it has been a, a really early stage in the project where we seemed necessary to support different platforms so when you say it's compatible on iphone was it just a matter of doing some basic porting and a lot of it worked without you having to do much alteration? The, the core is there, ready. I didn't write for iPhone port, but in theory, it's basically that you really just have to implement the, the access to the events, as input events and to the operating system. And that's about it. It's in reality... Depending on the platform, it's not quite that simple, but usually it's pretty easy to port Scum VM to a new platform. For the sake of, of compatibility, we developed our own graphics user interface uh, specifically for, uh, the, uh, for, uh, the pro for resolving the problem of portability. And on majority of our devices, we have exactly the same interface, which is frankly speaking, not really well suited to touchscreen devices which are operated uh, by fingers. Those are more geared towards the toward mouse. Uh, but uh, what we think about is to introduce Google Summer of Code uh, task for developing uh, the touch-based interface. ScanVM has all the infrastructure for it. It is the, just a matter of mapping uh, the widgets on the or buttons and dialogues on screen, so it will be uh, more suitable for uh, to be finger operated. And uh, as it's as I know already mentioned, it is really really uh, portable. And uh, to port to a new platform, it takes uh, something like two weeks of evenings, if you know well uh, this platform. But the ScumVM will look exactly the same everywhere. We have also something concerning the, the, the portability uh, in each engine. Uh, the developers have to, to be really careful about the way they are reading uh, things in memory. So we have a set of macros to help us to be sure that uh, the NDNS of the, the platform are, are respected. And this is also something important uh, in, about, about portability. So, any idea which has been the hardest platform to crack? Yes, I can name two. One is Nintendo Double Screen, and another one is Palm OS, which is no longer supported. But Palm OS gave us lots of headache because of the very, very limited capabilities of this platform. And uh, similarly, Nintendo Double Screen has just four megabytes of available. A memory, which is not enough to run any uh, many games, and also it has really really tiny screens. 
uh, pixel-wise. So those are the most problematic ones. And looking ahead to the future, do you relish the idea of supporting such things as maybe the PlayStation Vita that has just recently released? Well, I think if if there's tools to develop for it, somebody will come up with, with it. I definitely think so. But if there's somebody in the team actively working on it or thinking about it, I'm personally not sure. My understanding that uh, that uh, PlayStation Vita, uh, it is PlayStation 2 or and the PlayStation Portable meld together. And Scambian works on both. And in case Sony will publish uh, their official SDK, which will allow for home view uh, development, and it will be just a matter of time when somebody will come up with a port of Scambian. And that sort of thing you'd welcome? Yeah, most definitely. Of course. The more ports, the better. Yes, and if somebody will come tomorrow uh, for a port for the refrigerator, we, we, we will gladly accept it, as we already accepted the port for Samsung TV sets. Gosh. So Scambian can run on TV without a computer. <laughs> That's quite exciting, really, isn't it? How we've come along. <laughs> uh, yeah, Equadron, uh, Pavel Kowadzewski was working on it. He bought this, this uh, TV set, and it contains Linux inside, which is Debian-based. So it was not, uh, not so difficult to port on it. The only problem is there is the control, because you have to use infrared remote, TV remote for it, which is uh, sluggish. But still, he managed, he managed to do it, and it works well. And I suppose as a curiosity, just to see if it does work, and the fact that it did, that's quite remarkable, isn't it? TVs are no longer just the screen that we view all this wonderful content on. We can actually do things with it far more. Yes. (laughs) So, of course, all the platforms must pose other challenges, including supported resolutions, processing speeds, and more besides. So how do you decide on which platforms are supported, and what are some of the main obstacles you have to overcome for ScumVM to work correctly, other than what you've just said about the memory? Uh, we support those platforms where there is somebody to write port for that platform. That's it. Uh, for instance, I still in, uh, in in negotiation stage with the guy who ported ScanVM to original Amiga, not Amiga OS, which is running on PCs, but original <coughs> Amiga running on Motorola. And he, you may find him on YouTube when he succeeded with running full throttle on original Amiga, which is absolutely incredible as for me. It is similarly incredible like we are running ScumVM on Nintendo 64 uh, console or over, a card- or over a cartridge. And uh, as a result, of course, his uh, port is really limited. But we are ha- having the, the least denominator uh, w- we are geared towards the uh, lowest platform, like Nintendo Double Screen. Unfortunately, the porter is busy with his real life, so he was not pushing us hard recently for resolving uh, portability issues, particularly memory issues. But in the past, uh, during the release time, he just approached us and was telling us the problems he was facing uh, when running ScumVM on his platform, and we were trying to resolve it. And of course, since it is a common data, a common code base, resolving in, in 
on single platform brings benefit to all of them. And currently, ScumVM requires, don't laugh, but something about 300 megahertz processor and something like 16 megabytes of memory, and then 98% of the games will be running on it. So is that a basically a testament to how good the code of ScumVM is as well? Well, yes. And we started 10 years ago with the same core code base. And you can imagine that 10 years ago, computers were much more slower than today. Of course. And uh, it was designed for, for that, for those computers. So there were certain games that actually shipped with bugs before the wonderful days of the good old patch that have been corrected within ScumVM. So what examples of this can you share with us? I think in, in the Scum Engine V, for example, in Sam and Max, where some um, game lockups, for example, at the Bigfoot party, if you talk to waiter, it might happen that the game locks up and you can't actually do anything anymore. And we actually patch the game script on the fly so it doesn't lock up. That's, for example, bug we fix, which in the original is still present. There are the same kind of fixes in, uh, in cocktail engine, uh, garbage in, uh, because there were several uh, bugs uh, blocking any progression or uh, putting the game in an unfinishable state. So we fix those too. And uh, several glitches and, cr and crashes in, uh, in the Sage engine. So for uh, uh, Ringworld and uh, Blue Force. I can say that every engine has similar things uh, which fix original game bugs. Unfortunately, uh, at, that, at those times, the games, because at those times the games were. Uh, distributed on a physical media, it was not possible to fix bugs after you after your shipment date, after your release date. And but we can to do it today. And thus, uh, as a result, those games, especially Sierra games, were really really buggy. And for some of the engines, we even have a subsystem inside of engine specifically for uh, letting us to fix original bugs easily, like uh, those script patches, like uh, those um, fixes to the engines themselves. And uh, there is, uh, again, there is no single engine without those tweaks. Every game has this aspect or that one fixed. As you maybe know that Broken Sword games uh, Broken Sword 1, particularly, it was easily possible to render it uncompletable at the end of the game. We fixed that, and uh, it was mentioned even in manual, but of course we don't need to do it, we just fix it. ScumVM can also enhance the quality of the graphics when viewed on much larger displays than originally the titles were intended for when we viewed them on, say, a 14-inch portable monitor. So what can you tell us about this area? Well, uh, there's different kinds of enhancements there. For example, on desktop platforms we have scalers which basically take the game screen and apply some filtering resulting in a bigger image and uh, anti-aliasing. And sometimes we even have in-game support for graphic enhancements like in the SCI engine we have 
with undeferring which M. Kiewitz implemented. Uh, his real name is Martin Kiewitz, by the way. And this basically adjusts for the fact that back in the days, the old SCI games had to run with 16 colors, but the game graphics actually contained more colors when the platforms we run on feature, uh, featured. So we basically use all of the colors which it actually intended to use back then. Uh, also, uh, for instance, for the older games like AGI, uh, we mix sometimes better graphics for, for, from Amiga into those games, which was not, uh, not available, of course. And one, uh, another important uh, part of our project to mention is that we have uh, James Woodcock with us, who is providing us with an excellent enhancement to the uh, game scores, which is music. And we have currently, I believe, four or five games supported by it. And I believe, James, you are not going to stop there, do you? Well, funny you should say that, Eugene. <laughs> the next one I'm working on is The Seventh Guest, and already supported is Inherit the Earth, Simon the Sorcerer, Discworld, Beneath a Still Sky, and also hopefully very soon, because the music's nearly completed, Touche the Fifth Musketeer. So I've got plenty to be getting on with, especially now I've got a Seventh Guest permission, just recently approved. And basically what I'm doing is taking the original MIDI music, which back in the day would have played on very basic sound cards and bring them bang up to date so everybody today can enjoy a very high standard of music <coughs> reproduction rather than having to rely on the MIDI capabilities of their computer and specifically when ScumVM is now available on portable devices which could lead to all kind of fun when it comes to MIDI playback performance well, you don't have to worry about that because they're all external audio files now once I've done my work on them. So hopefully everyone enjoys that. I certainly get a lot of positive feedback. And uh, who knows what's around the corner. I may add some more yet. We'll have to wait and see. And yes, I can second your, uh, your thoughts about the, the people appreciate it because we have tremendous response on our forums uh, when you release every game pack for it and I myself really enjoy because it is completely new experience when playing those games, even well-known games which you play to the death. So ScumVM is classed as open source software, so what does this mean exactly to the user and what are its advantages for both the development team and the users of the software? Users which are also developers, we of course have advantage if you find a bug we can try to fix it themselves and thus contribute as web patch so we can fix it for everybody so that's the best uh, case I would say and of course since we are directly giving user support we really like it when users can tell us bugs we find so we can try to fix them as soon as possible which I think in an open source project gives you a much better relationship to your to your user base. And we, of course, can benefit more easily from our fixes since we have the so-called nightly builds, which are current development snapshots. So if you fix a bug, a user reported, we can try it immediately with a fixed build. 
and open source basically is an extension of free, which is also very exciting for the user. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Everybody likes free. <laughs> so open source is then almost anybody can contribute to it, see all the hard work that's gone into it by viewing the source code, and it can span into other projects and other areas, have other uses that maybe you guys haven't even thought of. Yeah, there's actually companies selling ScumVM with their projects, for example. There's uh, re-releases of the broken sword series from Revolution Software, and actually Revolution Software is, I think, uh, the company we have the uh, best relationship with. I mean, they contributed a source code for broken sword 1 and 2, from which we added support. And the open source bit yeah. gives Another benefit company. to everyone here. Another company uh, which sells uh, ScumVM is the Pullen Software, uh, who released Goblins 4. And maybe you know that uh, Goblins 4 is uh, packet, packed with, with Goblins 1 to 3, which are ScumVM based again. And as I mentioned, there are a couple of, of companies which are selling uh, ScumVM on App Store. And of course, there is a good old games and uh, they selling games and providing some free games uh, through their distrib distribution and similar service with uh, .emu.com uh, it is legal way to purchase some of the old games uh, which are DRM free and all those games which are supported by ScumVM are packed are shipped with ScumVM for the companies it is a good because they can get uh, support for their games uh, free of charge and uh, with some companies we even have invest in, uh, we have uh, arrangements that we add engine to our collection and then uh, original game authors can sell the game over again bring it back to market for them it goes as as a free of charge, of course, because we are not a non-profit, uh, non, not a commercial project. But for us, it is a joy of hacking on another game engine and supporting more games. So it it plays really good to everyone. And again, to add for the developers, being open source means that there are many many eyes which look into your code. And as Linus Torvalds once told it, when the more eyes you have looking into your code, the less bugs there are in that code. So this is why ScumVM still lives for these 10 years. It runs on so many platforms and it is a commercial quality, commercial grade quality software. ScumVM supports many great titles from Monkey Island and other LucasArts classics, as well as Sam and the Sorcerer, and Broken Sword titles, and many, many more besides. So what permissions, if any, do you need to support point-and-click adventure titles within the ScumVM software? In fact, as we are in, uh, in Europe, in most of our countries, uh, reversing executables is, is legal. So theoretically, uh, we don't have to, to ask for specific, uh, specific agreements or uh, authorizations. But what we are trying to, to do is um, 
it's getting contact with the original authors or uh, with the the legal rights owner and asking them what they are thinking about that. So we are trying to respect them and uh, show them what they may uh, benefit of the of that move. And of course, if if they want to to collaborate and give us sources, well, it, it's easier for us. And I suppose there's a lot of companies now that have no longer existing since the games were released. So that must be a minefield trying to get hold of the correct people as well. It's not obvious indeed, but uh, when we are uh, trying to, to find people, we finish to to find some, uh, at least with uh, some rights. So uh, we, we always find someone, or most of the time at least. I can tell uh, that we don't need any permission uh, mainly because we do not uh, distribute any games and we on the contrary we have a strong anti-piracy uh, rules in our project we don't give any support for pirated games once we have them inside uh, but uh, we are chasing original developers for two reasons one is to find, uh, to get access to original source code if possible because of course it is uh, 100 times easier to work with uh, the source code than with the uh, compiled executable which we have to reverse engineer. And second uh, option, a second thing, second reason why we are looking for original uh, developers is to try to get hold on the game assets and release it as freeware if it is possible. And our attempts were successful in both aspects. We have uh, more than 10 different engines based on original source code and we have uh, five games which are being distributed from our uh, website legally, freeware, and I can tell you there is some more in a queue. So wait uh, just wait for, for a bit and you will see more freeware game releases from us. So some of the free games that are available are Beneath a Steel Sky, Fly to the Amazon Queen, Love the Temptress, uh, Draskula the Vampire Strikes Back, and uh, Soltis. Yes, and, Dra and Dragon History. So even if you've got no point-to-click adventures in your collection, you've got five to start off with. Exactly, and I can tell you a bit more because for AGI and SCI engines, which are Sierra games, uh, there is a strong community, at least it was in the past, which produced more than a couple hundred of games which, is, which have a really good quality, and of course those are fan-made, they are freely available on the internet. So what other games could we see in the future? Because I imagine even with all these titles currently compatible, there's always the request for more and more and more. So are there any other in the works that you can reveal today? Okay, so uh, some of the games, uh, those are Neverhood. Uh, then there is uh, uh, Shadow of the Comet. Then there is uh, Aislum Engine. Mm, we have Picture. We have a 20, a Star Trek uh, for uh, 25th Star Trek anniversary, and there is even more. You may find this information, majority of this information, on our wiki, 
and we try to keep the list up to date. Uh, besides, I believe Neverhood, which is progressing very well, so maybe someday it will be also in our uh, engine, in our in family of our engines. And a little personal request from myself: uh, any news on the gene machine? It is ill, I L L engine. Oh and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that is literally the name of the engine. That's it's not poorly or anything. And I can tell you there is that there is no progress at least since October of last year. Oh dear. Well, if it ever does get support on ScumVM, I've almost done the music for it because I did that as a bit of a hobby because I like some of the tracks in it, particularly the theme. So maybe that's a little bit of incentive for somebody who's listening. So how do you find the time to work on ScumVM? Because you obviously have your own jobs as well and no doubt family commitments and you want to take a break away from working. Is ScumVM a nice release as well as the ability to play some of these classics all over again? Well, at least for me, it's something that is, uh, is really uh, a peaceful moment. So coding is really uh, what I'm looking for. And uh, well, the, the, the key solution is to sleep uh, less, in fact. <laughs> well, um, I think uh, ScumVM is really a good thing to spend your free time with. It's fun, it's entertaining, and there's always things you can learn from it. As you imagine, I can spend much less time these days as before, but still I manage to do all the management work, pardon the pun, and some coding as well. Uh, but I really enjoy it. I really enjoy because I, it is the, the only project, programming project I'm involved closely in. Because on my daily job, I more into management, pure management, without any coding. So for me, it is like the bringing the old days when I was coding 10, 12 hours per day on my day job plus CAMBM. And I keep myself in a, in a shape as a developer. So how do you see ScumVM progressing within the next few years and beyond? It is uh, progressing unexpectedly fast and faster and faster. As I mentioned, we already have uh, we have our team constantly growing. Uh, we have more and more uh, developers joining us without old ones leaving or being or becoming inactive. And uh, recently, we are starting to be short on the games which are script-based because a majority of the uh, later, recent uh, titles, they are hard-coded. But still there is a tremendous interest because, again, ScumVM is already a mature project and it is pretty straightforward to add an engine to it when, when you have work on the engine itself. So I would say that we have a bright future. And of course, uh, currently I see that there is a reinstallment of adventure genre, particularly thanks to those mobile devices, because they are not so powerful to run a decent first-person shooter. So people start to spend time with puzzle games and, of course, adventures. And this is why we see all those re-releases. We have a 
constant flow of requests and uh, questions from original game de uh, game developers on support of this or that title uh, on mobile devices like iPhone or Android. And uh, I believe that we have 20 years in front of us for supporting more games. How can ScumVM be supported by the community? Well, uh, obviously, you can play it, you can tell your friends about it, and you can give us feedback about bugs you encounter on our bug tracker, for example, or on our forums. And when you, we usually have, since we are usually working on code, we sometimes miss the time to bring our documentation, especially our user documentation, up to date. So if somebody wants to step up, write some good user documentation for us, that would be splendid, and I think everyone would happily accept it. I just wanted to say that if you want, uh, if you are a, a legal right owner or a, an original game uh, author, then uh, don't just wait until uh, we contact you. You can also uh, contact us and discuss with us about what we can do with uh, with those games. So it's really something that we 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 will appreciate. And of course, if you want to support our project because we still have some expenses like hosting. There is always donation button, and uh, if you want to buy good old games, uh, and use goodoldgames.com service and uh, uh, from our site, and we will have a share in the in the. But the main and the most important support from community is play test ScumVM because we don't have testers without in within our team, and we rely on the community during our releases. And when you do this, when you play the games and not just play and when they crash or whatever, silently close it. Tell us, we need it. We need your feedback on the bugs. We need you to retest the bugs as we fix them. This is the most appreciated contribution which we have from you. So finally, how can we find out more about ScumVM? We have several uh, media that we are using currently. Uh, we have, of course, our uh, website, which is uh, scumvm.org, uh, and uh, we have uh, 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 Google+, Plus, where we have an account, and uh, Facebook, where uh, we have uh, a scumvm page, then uh, also Twitter. Well, thank you so much for joining me in my podcast, and I wish you all the very best for the future. As Eugene says, it looks bright. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.